Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, Tech fans, and welcome into episode 168 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's Tech Studios, Tech Corporate Research. I see my computer wanted to jump into the action today. That's why you need to mute your mic, Evan. Uh, on today's show, listen, we've got a fun one planned for you today. A lot going on in Virginia Tech Athletics. Number 18, Virginia Tech men's basketball looks to play their first game on Tuesday for the first time in 17 days. How will they play at home against Georgia Tech? We'll get the thoughts from Will and Chris on that. On the football side, Coach Justin Fuente taps John Tenuta as a defensive assistant coach. We'll talk about his career and what it means for the football program. Plus, big weekend for 14th-ranked Virginia Tech softball. All that and more coming up, episode 168 of the Tech Sideline Podcast that gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, please be sure to like and subscribe. If you are watching, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher. Well, that's nearly 10 different ways you can watch or listen. Does to the anybody podcast. listen to the Tech Sideline Podcast on Stitcher? Anyone? Anyone? It's a great Bueller? question. Bueller? Bueller? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd never heard of Stitcher until you started saying it's available on Stitcher. <laughs> I so. need to listen on Stitcher. I personally, I listen on Spotify. Do you guys ever go back and listen, by the way? Like, I'll, um, I'll go back and listen to it on Spotify. You know, it's terrible. I should really listen to a podcast, but I don't. Like, when I ever, if I ever want to go back and, and hear something that we said, I actually just watch it. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I, I do yeah. tend to watch some on, on YouTube. My but, favorite uh, thing is with my Google Home, I can say, uh, hey, Google, play the Tech Sideline podcast, and it plays it just nice. like that. So you can also do that. Uh, we have our same crew here today, as always. To my left, there he is, our managing editor, Chris Coleman. Across the way, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. And behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. It is great to have you with us. We will have plenty of time at the end of the show to take your questions. So if you're watching on YouTube Live, put in the chat. We'll get to those at the end of the show. And again, if you're watching on YouTube, what should our viewers do, Will Stewart? You should hit like and subscribe right now. Do it now. Last chance. <laughs> um, so seriously, uh, since we don't go, since I don't go back and listen, um, let us know. We, we kind of count on you guys to let us know if the audio is not quite right. There's been a couple of times. Eventually, I'm going to buy better mics. These are pretty good mics. I'm going to buy killer mics, which should uh, pick things up better. But, you know, these have a certain pattern to them. Sometimes we get a little out of whack. They get kind of far away from our face. So always provide feedback and let us know, you know, if it doesn't quite sound right. Because ultimately, it is a podcast. It gets, it's funny, we got a, 
um, uh, DraftKings podcast marketing group has reached out to us and uh, they're going to be sponsoring the podcast during the month of March. Mm. So they asked me, what are, what are your analytics? What are your numbers? And I'm like, you know, I know that we're hosted on SoundCloud and we get anywhere from 3,000 to 5,000 listens slash downloads there, um, depending upon subject matter. And on YouTube, the video will be watched anywhere from 1,500 to 2,500 times. I said, beyond that, I don't know. I don't even know how to check analytics on, on Google Podcasts and Spotify and, and iTunes and all that stuff. So why am I telling this story? I totally forgot, tra- lost track of why Just I'm telling this story. ways you can consume the Tech Sideline podcast? Or? Yes, I'm pretty sure Stitcher is like maybe eight or nine people. And we have somebody <laughs> in the chat saying, uh, Joe Woodyear, that he uses Stitcher. Does he? If he can't join live. So there you go. Everyone right. uh, has their different ways of listening. Again, we're so glad, Joe, however you watch or listen, we'll, we are we'll, glad that you did so. We'll keep it going just for Joe. <laughs> Tech yeah, Sideline podcast is presented by Anytime Fitness. Each new member gets a free fitness consultation and a program is designed. Sign up for a dollar through your first billing period. You can call 540-951-1340. Again, that's 540-951-1340. Ask for Tyler and tell him the Tech Sideline sent you. Tech Sideline Podcast also presented by the Southeast Regionals Training Center. Go to southeastrtc.com to find out how you can get involved and support Virginia Tech Wrestling today we'll talk about the wrestling program in a little bit because they're up to number three in the rankings one poll has them at number two another one has it at number three they've got the acc championships coming up this weekend we will talk about that a little bit later in the podcast but uh gentlemen how are you, how are you guys doing it's uh mid-february we're getting ready for march spring sports fall sports are now playing too how, how are you guys doing? So it's very exciting. It's raining out there today and like 37 degrees, but the weather's about to get a lot better. Um, it's it's going to get up to almost 50 today. So. Uh, is it? Well, yeah, Wednesday's, Wednesday's going to be like mid-50s and sunny, yeah. and that's going to start a run. Of, you know, I, I don't I don't want to say something I'm going to regret because something could always happen in the middle of March. Yep. But well, but the well, really yeah. cold stuff, the, the, the snow and ice and stuff like that is over for the foreseeable future. You know, we, something might happen, like I said, in the middle of March. But So that's good. But on a personal note, I had one of those nights where I couldn't get to sleep last night. So I was up till probably like 3.30 in the morning. Um, my wife and I decided to sleep in a couple of days this weekend. And it just it just doesn't work that way, man. Eventually, you're going to have to pay for it. So, But I, I think I feel pretty good today. Chris, what about you? I'm good. Ready to roll. All right. Ready for yeah. some men's basketball back to be back in action. God, I right? hope so. I, I just about forgotten it was basketball season. It's it was, it's, it was going to be 17 days without playing. Correct. Right? Tomorrow will be Tomorrow 17, 17 days, which is and, and let's go ahead and transition to that's how we're going to lead off the podcast. Right. So like I listened on the radio to the last the last game that we played February 6th at So Miami. so the last time I watched us play a basketball game was I don't know. Was it the Syracuse game? When we were at uh, Sharky's? Uh, I want to say I've seen No, a, it, it would have been the, was it the Pittsburgh game when we were at PK? It was a Pittsburgh game. That's the, right, last time I, the, that's the last time I saw this team play basketball. Are you surprised that I blotted that from my memory? <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, that very, was, that was very forgettable. One. So here's what's coming up on episode 168 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We will talk about John Tanuna being hiring as the new defensive assistant for Virginia Tech football. We'll talk about uh, Virginia Tech women's basketball winning a record fifth best, uh, fifth in a row. Five in a row in the ACC, ACC is a program best for Virginia Tech women's basketball. We'll get to them a little bit later, talk about their NCAA tournament chances. We'll talk about Virginia Tech wrestling, getting ready for the ACC championships, plus a big weekend 
for Virginia Tech softball and baseball. An update on lacrosse. We will cover it all. But we start with the sport that I think Hokie Nation is just so ready to get back. Mm-hmm. It has been. It'll be 17 days, as we just mentioned, tomorrow since the last time Virginia Tech basketball has played a game. It was February 6th in Coral Gables, the infamous Hunter Couture three-pointer at the buzzer, going to overtime and win. But the Hokies will finally be back in action Tuesday in Castle Coliseum against a... I was thinking of one word to describe Georgia Tech, and the word that I came up with was streaky. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair. Uh, streaky they, Georgia Tech. They team. look, they look bad some games, and then other games they look great. Like how much did they beat Miami by this past weekend? Like twenty seven? I didn't see the final. Oh I can pull it, but they were up at like forty eight to sixteen at halftime. It was uh, crazy. It was, a, it was a blow. They crushed. They it. ended up winning. Let's see here. They beat Miami. 87-60. Okay, so uh, Alvarado, I've never been a big fan of in the past. Jose Alvarado, their guard, he's one of those types who he might score twenty points, but it takes him you know twenty five shots to get there, right? Uh, and was never a very efficient player. Um, this year, he's a more efficient player. Um, you could certainly make an argument that he should be a first team All ACC player this year. His shooting percentages are up. Effective field goal percentage up. Just just an overall, he doesn't waste possessions taking bad shots uh, like he has in the past, which probably is a, it's an indicator that Georgia Tech as a team maybe has a better understanding of of their offense and what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, it's a worrisome game, very worrisome game, because Virginia Tech hasn't, play, hasn't played in 17 days, and... A good chunk of that, they couldn't practice, or at least they couldn't practice with a full squad. It's not yep. so much the not playing part, so they couldn't practice with a, with a full squad. I think at one point they only had six guys out there. Now, which six guys what was that? We don't know, but it was contact tracing that knocked that was the issue. So, uh, from what I'm guessing, you know, of the six guys, three of them were the true freshmen who don't play all that much. They, they, <laughs> live, they live in a dorm, yeah. right? So, uh, I just uh, – I don't know. I don't think Tech is going to hit the ground running when they come back. Uh, I, it's going to be interesting uh, to see what Mike Young has to say either today or after the game tomorrow about what Tech does or what Tech did when they were able to start practicing with a full team again. Because, you know, Clemson at one point was 9-1. and one. Their, their one loss was, on the, was a close loss at Tech, and they had beaten – Two big ten, two or three Big Ten teams. They had beaten Florida State. They had a great resume. Yeah, I mean Clemson beat Florida State. Yeah, right. And then their program got shut down, and to the point where they couldn't practice. And then they lost four of their next five. And not only did they lose four of their next five, they got blown out, annihilated, like twenty, thirty point losses. Yeah, I mean just horrible and then they won three in a row and then they got shut down again and, mm. and we'll see what happens to him now uh so brad brownell came out and said he made a mistake uh so after their first shutdown he came back the team came back and he immediately you know they started game planning for their next opponent but they had missed so much time that he said he wished if he had it to do over again they would do more fundamental stuff more team offense more team defense it's hard it's hard to imagine how much you could lose in, in just a short layoff, but if everybody else is moving forward, uh, so I just I don't know. I, th- I think if Tech has taken the last couple of days to focus on themselves, uh, 
then they won't be prepared sufficiently for Georgia Tech. But that'll make them better for the last three games, right? Uh, that's the way I see it. So we'll see what Mike Young says. But it's an it's a difficult situation for all coaches this year whose programs get shut down at some point. We'll see what Mike Young says. I'm curious what Will Stewart has to say. What do you expect Virginia Tech to look like on Tuesday against Georgia Tech in their first game in 17 days? I have literally reset my expectations to back before the year even started. I really, I really have no idea what's going to happen. I had no idea what was going to happen when the season started. <clears throat> And I have no idea what's going to happen when it restarts. So I hit up uh, a few days ago, I hit up a uh, contact who, who you know, is, is not within the basketball program but knows what's going on. And I said, uh, so, we're, you know, are we looking good to play against Georgia Tech on Tuesday? And I said, uh, I'm really dreading that game, by the way. <laughs> and he answered, well, we're going to play as far as I know. Why are you worried about them? They, have, they can't rebound and they have zero interior presence, us by 10. It's like, well, I, I, I like your confidence, but I don't know that I share it. Um, so for everybody who gets all mad that Wabisa um is not a good shooter, um, let's put him on Alvarado and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think sure. that's a big key for the game. No doubt about it, yeah. And Georgia Tech comes into the game, by the way. They are 11-8, and 7-6 and six in the ACC. They are 8-3. and three at home but two and five on the road okay. this year and and this is a big game for them because Georgia Tech is on the bubble but probably on the outside looking in by just a little bit at this point the Miami win was a big one but they um they need a quality win they need Some a quality, quality win wins, they almost right? got it at Clemson February 12th they lost 74 72 they've lost by eight to Virginia so they've hung around with some good teams but they don't have that signature win on the resume yet but I think, relatively speaking, they're playing fairly well lately. Correct. So yeah. they beat Miami at Miami 87-60. They had their game against BC postponed. They beat Pittsburgh 71-65. They lost to Clemson on the road by two. So they're playing well as yeah. of late. And then after Tech, they have Syracuse, Duke, at Wake. So they've got some chances to have some resume-building wins late in February. But this Jose Alvarado uh, player for Georgia Tech, their guard, might be one of the best guards in the ACC. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that is on Tuesday. It's Hokies men's basketball looks to get back to action. And now is that one on ACC Network or RSN? I believe. Let's see. By the way, anyone who forgot, Hokies are fourteen and four, eight and three in the yeah. ACC. <laughs> in case you've lost the track, game, I hope it's on our RSN because I can just sit home and listen to it on the radio, and that would guarantee on victory. RSN, sweet. It is Sweet. not. It is on the regional sports network. So I still won't be able to watch this play. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and Virginia Tech is still third in the ACC, right? Yeah. After all this time, yeah. Correct. And they're still ranked 18th in the poll too. So they haven't really changed. Uh, they stayed 18th. Pollsters, back to back they, they've not been uh, penalizing teams for getting shut down. Yeah. Keep, keep an eye on the rankings while we're doing the podcast, sure. in, in case they come out, because I think Tech will move up. Virginia Tech will move up a little bit now. Looking at the situation, something good from something bad. Clearly, we wish that Virginia Tech was able to play their last three games, North Carolina, Louisville, uh, and then actually in Florida State. But Jalen Cohn left the Miami game with an injury. Cordell Pemsel has not played since December 29th, and Oof. Coach Mike Young has said that he's been closer and Close. closer to playing. And Tyrese Radford traveled with the team to Miami on February 6th. So, of those three players, Chris, do you expect all three to play? A combination of the three to play? Who do you feel good about? Who do you not think might not play on Tuesday? The funny thing is, like, I had forgotten about Pimsel. 
because yeah. he, was, he was playing in a backup role earlier in the year, and just like that, he got taken out of the lineup but, but with a back injury, and then Tech kept winning. Tech has beaten UVA without pencil. Tech is third in the ACC without pencil. So, uh, you know, and uh, we got Ojiako back in the same time frame, and he's given you a few minutes here and there. And Gasan has been playing well. It's given Gasan more minutes. And Justin so, Mutz has really uh, has really stepped up. So, so, so let me. Uh, did you catch Mike Young's comments the other day? It was probably on Tech Talk Live about uh, Justin Mutz. Words to the effect of he was trying to be a different player earlier in the season. Yeah, he was trying to shoot a bunch of three pointers. He's gotten back to what he does well, and that's why his he's gotten back to who he is, mm-hmm. and that's why his game has really taken off. Yeah, I think so. So the 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 fact that all those guys have improved, or in Gasson's case, uh, I guess uh, got got on the court for major minutes for the first time, really. Right. Uh, it's maybe it makes you almost forget about pencil to a certain extent, and I don't know if the guy hasn't played since what'd you say December twenty ninth. Yep, it was the game against Miami. And he's going to be awfully rusty, so and uh, not in shape, and not in shape. So his his minutes will be limited. Yeah, yeah. So I I just wouldn't expect a big impact there if he does come back. I just I I I never did get a feel for what what he is expected to contribute to the team in the time that he played. Did you? Well, I remember the South Florida game when, when they put two traditional bigs in their lineup and were really attacking the glass. That's when he played major minutes alongside Aluma. And I think he had a, he had double digits that game, didn't he? Maybe even a double-double. I do want to mention real quick. So, Gasson is six foot nine. Pemsel six foot nine. The difference is Gasson is 205. Pemsel's 250. Right. Yep. Uh, so, let's see well, here. He was going to be playing a lot against your Florida states of the world, right? Who always hit you with a lot of size and things like that. He scored ten points against South Florida and had six rebounds. Six his rebounds. best game as a Hokie, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was going to be his role. Okay, I think. And he also did play twenty-two minutes against Penn State. He played nineteen minutes against South Florida, twenty-two against Penn State, fifteen against Clemson, then four against Coppin State, eight against Longwood. And then nine against Miami, and that's the last time he's played. Was well, December Penn, Penn State doesn't count. Virginia Tech put players on the floor that night, but, but yeah, none of them were actually there. <laughs> <laughs> when Penn State had been trending in the right direction, it had been looking like they might sneak into the tournament. Then they had a horrible loss to Nebraska, and it yeah, just this, yes. it's Nebraska, the only Big Ten team outside the top one hundred. They truly, in Big Ten terms, they truly suck. Right, and Penn right. State lost to them. Yeah, but there's like three ACC teams worse than Nebraska. Uh, yeah. All right, so that's about Cordell Pemsel, but we would assume that Jalen Cohn, we would think back healthy, right, from his ankle injury. I would injury, think so. Think. I, I assume it's a sprain, although they never kept – that was the last game Virginia Tech played, and they said then that it was probably going to be day-to-day. My, so my concern – I went back and I watched – the film of him getting hurt. The announcers didn't notice. The fans didn't notice. Mm. Uh, he he got up slowly, and then you could see him limping around the court. And my concern was I wasn't sure if it was a knee or an ankle. They put him in a boot later, so I guess they decided it was an ankle. Well, Mike, Mike Young Mike said, was probably sad. He said uh, in his pro- post-game conference, I was listening to it on the radio when he said it, that he knew it was his ankle. Okay. Mm. All right. And Tyree Stratford. And hasn't played in just about a month, but he's gone through the court system and everything has been taken care of, and he traveled to Miami. Yeah, that's a big thing. He traveled with him. And Mike Young did say at the time that he would have a chance, I believe was the wording, a chance to play later in the week, which, of course, did not happen. So I'm not necessarily asking for a prediction from you guys, but it does seem like 
things are trending in the right direction for him to return at some point. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, and, and of course I've had people ask me that. Number one, are we going to play? And I say with confidence, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to play Tuesday. Number two, is Tyrese Radford going to play? And and I, I will admit zero inside knowledge on this. You know, I, I they're, they're getting a little tight-lipped around the basketball program right now, you know, about things. Um and that, well, that's fine. That's fair. I can imagine they are right now with the, with the, when the program sh- shut down. Yes. Yeah. yeah so. They they didn't really want to talk about that. And uh, if I was a betting man, man, I'd call it 50, 50. Uh, but I, if, if I had to put money down, I'd put money down on him playing. So we'll see if that's, that's right. He'll be back at some point this season, I think. Yeah. Uh, whether it's this week or later, I don't know, but feel much, much better about it than I did when he originally got suspended. At that point, I was just concerned about whether he'd ever I thought his career was over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Now, the Student Conduct Committee that, that is a big influencer in, in things like this, uh, they're separate from, like, student government, right? Because the student government at Tech just got totally disbanded. S- yeah, SGA is getting disbanded. Correct. Yes. Okay, okay. So, so, so I'm pretty different. sure, again, I don't know, okay. but I'm pretty sure the student conduct is totally separate oh, okay. from SGA. Okay. Yeah, so if you haven't heard anything about that, Google it, Virginia Tech SGA. Yeah, um, I was going to say, if they were tied in somehow, it'd be like, now's the time to make your move and get them back on the line. <laughs> There's no government. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anarchy. <laughs> so Virginia Tech hosting Georgia Tech on Tuesday. Chris Coleman will be listening to John Laser and Mike Burnup. That is on. <laughs> RSN and uh, who knows maybe I'll find you guys downtown some point this week watching I, I will be actually watching it at home <laughs> there you go okay let's transition and talk uh, about Virginia Tech football the news of the week <laughs> coach Justin Fuente adding veteran defensive coach John Tenuta to the staff he will serve as Virginia Tech's senior defensive analyst Tenuta who has coached and uh, he's a 40-year coaching veteran, 19 seasons of experience as a defensive coordinator. He's been a part of programs that have made 19 bowl games during his career. He most recently was at the University of Cincinnati. Of course, the Bearcats have been top 10 the last couple of years. He was a defense senior defensive assistant this past year, but previously he had served as their safeties coach from 2017 to 2019. And he reunites with his son, Luke, who is an offensive lineman, of course, on the Hokies football team. Chris, when you saw the news, thoughts on Coach Fuente adding a veteran and John Tenuta to the staff? Will had heard about a month ago that this was a possibility. Yeah, it's been a while. And then it didn't happen, and it didn't happen. And And I I, I forgot forgot about about it. it. Yeah, And then then it happened. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think we knew that was going to happen, but then we forgot about it. But uh, I think it's a really good addition. He kind of fills – Fills a number of different roles. Um, he can help you from an X's and O's standpoint if you need him. I, I think the biggest thing there is he could help with blitz packages. Um, his defenses, when he was defensive coordinator, were notorious for their blitzing schemes. In fact, that's all he did is blitz, Sometimes blitz, blitz. to a fault. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, the, well, there was nothing wrong with the blitzing schemes, the X's and O's. Strategically, how they were employed, there, there, there was an issue. Like, all he did is, is blitz. So it's one of those things. It's like tactics are fine, strategy not not so good sometimes. It was literally one of those teams you played against. Like I remember the 2007 Georgia Tech game uh, in Atlanta. That's the Jersey game, right? Yes, the Jersey game. And Sean Glennon got sacked six or seven times, but he also threw for about 300 yards against man coverage across the board. Yeah. He so it, it was literally feast or famine for the Tech offense. Either hitting hitting the deep ball or getting sacked, and that that was kind of what his defenses were now that said you know i don't i don't think he's going to have a big influence on 
on Justin Hamilton's game plan and things like that. But I think he can help with blitz design, like design this play in this in this scheme, not how often they're employed or when they're employed and things like that. I I, I like to hire because it's a it's a he's a true defensive analyst. That's his job. Mm-hmm. He's not supposed to coach a position. He's not supposed to recruit. That said, somebody I think emailed or texted me and Chris and said he he'll he'll have an effect on recruiting. And the person didn't go into why. Apparently, Tenuta's just one of those competitive guys, so he's going to want to help out in any way that he can. You know the the Tracy Clay's experiment, which lasted about less than a year. <laughs> uh, you know, I think we all thought at the time that Clay's was was going to serve as as a mentor of sorts for for Justin Hamilton. Um, I don't know how much that occurred. We we did hear that, that Clay's had an open door policy. He'd help if you came by to talk about stuff. I, I don't think he put much effort, if any, into recruiting. Um, I don't think he knew he wasn't going to be here very long. Yeah, uh, recruiting is not something unless you really, really, really love recruiting. You're not going to put a lot of effort into it if you if you know you're only going to be Especially at a place for you know, a year. Think about or a what, when was he hired, Clay's. Last January, maybe. Something so he would like have that. had a month and two weeks to recruit before the pandemic. Mm, right, and and right, and in then, person, and, that is. right, in person, exactly. Yeah. So now, uh, sorry, maybe cut you off. No, you're um, fine. One of the interesting things I saw here about a connection between Coach Fuente and Coach Tenuta. Did you guys pick up on this in the press release where they have crossed paths before? Yeah, Tenuta was the. Defensive backs coach at Oklahoma when Fuente was their quarterback in 1995. So th- there was a time when Tenuta was basically the scout Fuente's scout team coach when Fuente was in yeah, college. Yeah. yeah, and now they reunite in Blacksburg. So so Clay's was hired in December December 13th, 2019. So, so eh, three months. Um, so you look at his his background, and I wanted to play a quick game real quick. I don't know how closely you guys looked at the press release, but he has coached at a number. Of schools, yeah. Chris read all that stuff. I compared him to Phil Elmashin. Now, a lot of those people, a lot of people listening to the podcast, don't know who that who? is. You wouldn't know who that no, is. Oh, I do from talking oh, from so talking many times to on the podcast. Oh my gosh, but, the but, uh, help the architect. They are, yeah, exactly. Um, no, no, Elmashin didn't have as much experience as as Tanuta does now when Tech hired him in 1993. But if you look at their overall resumes at the end of their careers coaching, they're very, very similar. So you get a well-traveled guy. A guy with a lot of experience at a lot of different schools. What I like about him is is he's coached he's coached at Ohio State and he's coached at Oklahoma, so he's coached big time players. He's coached at some small schools too, so he's coached a bunch of guys that nobody wanted. And he's coached at schools a lot very similar schools, similar programs like uh like Georgia Tech, UVA, uh, there, there's there's wow. some other ones in there, and now Virginia Tech. So he's coached across all levels of, of, of FBS college football. And and don't sleep on the fact that he just came from Cincinnati mm-hmm. because that's where Luke Fickle is coaching, and Luke Fickle clearly has built a good yeah. program. Almost beat Georgia in the Peach Bowl this in, year. In the Ohio State mold, you know, mm-hmm. he, he coached, I believe, under Urban Meyer. So he uh, – you know, uh, Tanuta has been at some big time programs, and he's been at a mid level program that is run like a big time yeah. program. Uh, help me count them out real quick with your fingers here, guys. Here we go. These are where the stops where Coach Tanuta has been: 1981, 82, Virginia, Maryland, 1983, Vanderbilt, 84, 85, Marshall, 87, 88, Kansas State, 88, SMU, 89 to 94. 
Oklahoma 95, Ohio State 96 to 2000, Georgia Tech 02 to 07, Notre Dame 0809, NC State 2010 12, Virginia again almost 30 years later 2013 <laughs> to 2015, then Cincinnati from 17 to 20, and now Virginia Tech. I've got this as his 14th. I think I think if I counted properly, it's amazing. So and you know from a total non-football perspective i always wonder what that's like for like you know kenny brooks head coach of women's basketball is doing it right now right he got to coach his daughter kendall his daughter chloe's on roster i wonder what that's like for you know your your dad to be in the program if you're luke you know what i mean yeah you go to college you're going to play d1 is it it cool to have dad there at the office every day i think i think maybe if if you're like he's not going to see him too much like tenuta's an offensive lineman so he's in one room and Tenuta's over here with a completely different group of people. And even in practice, you know, Tenuta is over here. Is a, well, one Tenuta's over here, the other Tenuta's over, over there, right? Yeah. That's what I'm trying to yeah. say. Uh, so you, it, I think it's nice having him around, but, uh, like, there's never going to be any, like, overbearing feelings or anything like that because they're going to stay separated enough. What, what, what I've always been interested in is guys who move as much as John Tenuta has. I've lived in the same town my entire adult life. I've literally never moved. The last time I moved was from Fox Ridge to my current house. Like, I mean, I mean, 2007 was the last time I moved. You've been in that place since 2007. I bought it in 2007. Man, um, yeah, so, Fox Ridge is a good spot, by the way. Well, Fox Ridge was the place to be when I was a student back in the 80s. Um, Fox Ridge and Terraceview, I think, were, yeah. the, were the top two places. And uh, not so much now. You know, a lot of really expensive stuff has been built since then. Uh, real quick, question from BK. Why not just have Bud be the analyst? Because Bud doesn't want to. Bud, that, that's my guess. I don't, I'm not, I'm yeah, not tight with Bud. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I think if Bud, Bud Foster, outside of – I'm pretty sure Bud Foster has the clout where he could snap his fingers and get any job he wanted over there. If he wants to sit around and work – 10 12 hour days then then sure but if you but if you wanted to do that he could just still be defensive coordinator <laughs> i mean quite frankly you're working just as hard it's a grind um i just don't think he wants to now what what we've heard bud is going to do is he's going to play a role that helps out with former player relations and i don't know if this will be he'll be officially named in such a role like on the hokiesports.com staff directory or whatever but uh but yeah, if Bud Foster wanted to keep working long hours, then he would have just wouldn't have retired as defensive coordinator. I'm sure once you get a little taste, will of the the fishing and oh, you know the, yeah. the retirement I, life, it would be tough to go. Oh back. well, let's see, let's see. I can sit at the lake, go out on my boat, drink a couple of beers, not have to wear a mask, or I could go into the Merriman Center every day and get and once the season started, get a get a swab, swab shoved, up, shoved my nose. up my nose three times a week. No, thank you. I will stay retired. Yeah. You know, um, and and I think about this stuff because I'm I'm 56, so I'm looking at retirement in 10 years. You know, and and I've been at this gig for 25 years, and it's it's a lot of nights, it's a lot of weekends, it's it's a lot of hard work. And I, I look 10 years down the road, I'm like, man, when I retire, what am I gonna do? My guess is I'm gonna hang out on the message boards and sleep late a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's just how how do you I, 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 what I'm saying is I think about going from working really hard for many years 
to suddenly not having to. And it affects different people different ways. A lot of guys miss the competition and they want to get back into it. A lot of guys don't. They get there and they're just like, man, this is nice. I don't have to Should do have done this anymore. years ago. Yeah. yeah. All right, one more sport to talk about before we get to our break here on episode 168 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please be sure to hit the like and subscribe. We're at 17 as we record right now, please, even if you're watching archived. Yes, absolutely. Hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, let's talk about Virginia Tech women's basketball before we go to break because since the upset of North Carolina State, not only have the Hokies won five games in a row, but they've had to deal with some ups and downs of – UVA and Duke canceling their season a month ago, so they lost games there. They have not played a routine schedule over the last couple of weeks, and regardless, they still find ways to win. So they've won five straight. It's a program best since they've joined the ACC. They've never won five in a row in conference play in the Mm -hmm. ACC. And on Sunday in Castle Coliseum, since not playing in a week, they beat the Orange. Both teams had seven wins in the ACC, 76 68, Asia Shepard with 23 points for Virginia Tech. And all of a sudden, Virginia Tech, that resume looking better and better. They're now 500 in the conference, 7 and 7, 12 and 7 overall. And, Will, it really feels like they've really righted the ship here the last month or so. Yeah. Uh, so, Charlie Cream for ESPN, I believe, is the guy. He, he's the Joe Lenardi of. He got his last player. name this week. Yeah. He's not. Charlie somebody? Isn't that what you call him? <laughs> <laughs> Charlie. So uh, he updated him from a 10 seed to a 9 seed, and that was prior to yesterday's game. And and Syracuse is a, is a solid women's program. I mean, they I, I can't remember what their record was, but they had a better record in the ACC than Virginia Tech, I think, going into that game. And and, and I did not get a chance to watch it, unfortunately, because I was, I was doing some things and – and following softball and all that. They were up by a lot of points. 44 to 22 at the half. Okay. And um, then Syracuse came out and scored something like 24 points in the in the third quarter, uh, which if you multiply that out, that's a 96-point pace. So they closed the gap, but uh, Tech was able to, to keep them at bay. Um, so, Evan, let me ask you, 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 probably, you probably watch a lot of their games. And I'm sorry, this is just me. I tend to look down the road. Uh, I really like what they've got going, and a lot of their players are young. How much are they going to miss Asia Shepard when she leaves? Can can Kayla King step into that role, for example? I I think so. I think think the thing about Shep is, A, so she was the first recruit Kenny Brooks ever had when he got here, and he was the first person that went out, or that was the first person that came in the program and helped – turn the culture right and ride the ups and downs of a couple of those teams when she was young that like they started really great in the non-conference and then you know they struggled in ACC play and so she has been the constant through it all I think she's one of the best scores in the entire country I I hear them say it on the ACC network right she can drive she can pull up she's got a great three step back three point shot I don't know if you I mean from a leadership standpoint I mean she is just a rock star. I mean I don't know if you guys watched the video of when she had that step back 3 yeah. against NC State in overtime and the reaction everybody swarming. It was the best reaction I think of and I know Latonas was great in wrestle but I mean Asia Shepard was just I mean so amped up. Yeah. So I think it'll be a a big loss not because anybody can't fill the role. I just, I just think she's such, such a special person and player. You know, it's tough to replace, uh, you know, one of the best players in program history. However, you look at how great Kenny Brooks has recruited, and you look at Kayla King and the, how much better she's gotten from freshman year to sophomore year. 
Um, I think she's someone who could fill into that role. And I think Georgia Amor is going to be the person that actually fits into more of the Shepard role because I think she's more of a natural scorer. Um, and she's just a freshman, you know. So it's a good question. I, I do think it will be a significant loss. And I'm curious, though, because she's a graduate student, I'm curious if she – comes back for another year yeah the eligibility and it'll be interesting to see what happens you know who, who knows she she may look a look at the landscape of the team and think yeah i can i can do this another year and, and we can do some stuff yeah particularly if restrictions lift and fans get a chance to to uh see the players play i wonder how much of that is going to affect some of these athletes decisions well, the, thing the is, chance to play in front of fans again they're not going to know by the time they have to make the decisions I, I mean at least i don't think they will uh i know I mean, the NCAA is making their recruiting decisions three months in advance. So. Which is just stupid. Right. But there's, there's no reason to make – to. I mean, you should be able to snap your fingers and say, okay, next week recruiting starts again. Right? I don't know why you have to make that decision. That's a whole other topic. But yeah, I don't know do why you have to make that decision that. three months in advance. Yeah. We, we should do a podcast just bashing the NCAA. Uh, we should. Uh, I like – I would – yes, it, that would have an effect on me if, if I like – if I maybe had like already had my degree, but I wasn't going to be a pro or anything like that, and you know the job market's yeah. probably not great right now, uh, yeah, I'd probably come back another year. But I would come back another year depending on a lot of things. Do I have to get a, uh, something stuck up my nose three times a week? Because probably not. I'm probably not going to do that. To be quite honest with you. Yeah. Uh, and are there fan? Are, are there going to be fans? in the stands yeah speaking uh, of fans in the stands yeah. real quick by the way virginia tech softball just announced that uh due to follow the public health guidelines ensure the safety of virginia tech student athletes staff and fans softball compete without fans in attendance until further notice uh so other only essential staff and family members of student athletes will be allowed in attendance so that's the first news we're getting of springs even though there were i think 201 was the count for baseball yesterday so anyways just looking ahead to now spring sports that's the uh, just don't do it, Chris. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to do it. You don't do it. Let's just move on. Well, but anyway, uh, back to women's yes. basketball um, and getting getting off of the future thing and getting back to the present. Right. Um, a nine, a nine projected as a nine seed before yesterday's win. I don't know what the net is today. I haven't been on Twitter and seen if anybody's put it up, but it just uh, so. What does the rest of the schedule look like? Do you Great question. So this is the final week of the regular season for women's basketball. They will play Clemson on Thursday in South Carolina at six o'clock. That is on the a ACC place where Network. they have fans. And then <laughs> their game on Sunday was supposed to be at Virginia before they canceled their season in January. So on the schedule right now is North Carolina for a third time. They added that game. The Hokies are two and zero. And the Tar Heels are actually playing really good basketball right now. So that would turn – if they can beat North Carolina for a third time. Yeah, but Virginia Tech's playing better, a lot better than they were. When, remember they lost – they had that stretch where they lost six out of seven games, and the one win was against North, North Carolina. Carolina. Right. 2-0 and against the Tar Heels. Right. So, so anyway, so, so, so you've got a chance enough. if you win those two games, you finish 14-7, and 9-7 and seven in the league, signature win against sec, uh, second-ranked uh, North Carolina State, and then – you know, I, I think the resume is looking pretty good. It sounds like they're pretty much a lock unless they just lost every single game remaining. Like yep. if they lost these last two and then lost and the their first, first game, game of the AC yeah. tournament, yeah. they're having an AC tournament. They are. They're having a. That's next week, and they will. Uh, so they don't have to worry about the the first round. I was talking to Brian Johnson, the voice of Tech women's basketball, yesterday, and since Duke 
and Virginia canceled their season. There's just going to be one first-round game next Wednesday. Then it's the second round. And I believe, after talking to him, I forget the scenario, but there is a chance if they take care of business this week, they can somehow lock up a double buy nice. in the that, ACC tournament. Do you remember the old ACC tournament back when there were nine teams in the ACC? Uh, and and it was just a – it was basically a three-day event. Third, well, or was it a – it was a, no, it was a it was a five, it was a three day event Friday Saturday Sunday, uh-huh. but with there the, was always the the Thursday night game the eight nine seed right that would determine who played the number one seed the next day yeah, yeah. yeah. so that that's kind of there was a, so the, technically that was the first round the one game was the first round yeah. so that's what this yeah. this would be like yeah right, let's step aside for a break here on episode one hundred sixty eight of the Tech Sideline Podcast when we come back number two slash three Virginia Tech wrestling. Opens the ACC championships this weekend, looking to defend their ACC dual team championship from the regular season. We'll talk about the Hokies' chances. We'll talk about Makai Lewis and John Borst, plus Virginia Tech softball. Have to talk about the Hokies with a huge, huge weekend for the program. Tech baseball with two wins to open their season. And Virginia Tech lacrosse, plus your questions. All coming up, episode 168 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, presented by Campus Emporium, Anytime Fitness, in the Southeast Regional Training Center. We're back in just a moment. Welcome back to episode 168 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. So glad you could join us as we record on Monday morning, February 22nd. Evan Hughes alongside Chris Coleman, Will Stewart behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by Campus Emporium. They're proud to sponsor the Tech Sideline community. A portion of every sale is a return to Virginia Tech in support of its endowment for excellence, student programming, and need-based scholarships. We have been serving the Virginia Tech community for over 25 years from our locations in Blacksburg and our online store. Please visit the number one source for Virginia Tech merchandise at campusemporium.com or come see us 207 North Main Street or 1337 South Main Street. For those watching the podcast today, you can see Will Stewart wearing a very cool Columbia button-down maroon orange VT logo. Will, for our listeners, tell us about what you are wearing today. This is an awesome plaid shirt. Um it is, you know, it, it's funny. I, I cut and pasted the description so I could read it, but the actual name of the shirt I don't have. I think it's Long Sleeve Rapid Rivers uh, shirt. I thought Rapid, Rapid Rivers was the brand at first, but no, you're right. It's a Columbia. So uh, features the VT logo printed on the left chest in orange, and it's got a real cool, uh, I guess the basic shirt is white and the plaid is, is orange and maroon. And And I've never heard this term. A single stash pocket on the left hmm. chest. I guess you're supposed to just stash That's stuff there. That's where you there. stash things, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I graduated with a degree in engineering, and I worked in the engineering world for 12 years, and that's where engineers kept their pocket protectors. And, yes, I did ruin a shirt one time because I had a pen in the pocket that leaked into the pocket, just classic stuff you see in movies. So, anyway, stretch fabric, 97% cotton, 3% elastane, which is another thing I've never heard of. Malcolm, can you do me a favor and go to the website and look up how much this costs? Because I also forgot to uh, um, do the price. But I'm wearing it untucked. It's not made to be worn untucked. I'm just at a point in my life where I just want my shirts untucked. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's uh, Real quick, before we transition and talk, I do want to mention two things. Oh, it's Malcolm. Six, 60 bucks? Not bad. Look at that. Malcolm for, Stewart. For a, for like a Columbia. That. 
for a Columbia Virginia Tech shirt, sixty bucks is not bad. Yeah. Um, do you remember the uh, when we first started doing the featured items? I wore the Columbia Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Yeah, I bought that one. I still got it. That's Sweet. very cool. So I'll be wearing it in the spring after things. Warm I can up. see that Columbia shirt in your uh, button down in your future as well. Yeah, it's this this is very much uh, like if you go into uh, you know some Virginia Tech event or whatever. It's it's awesome. Before we transition, I do want to mention two things that we found out during the break. Number one, a great comment from Alan Potts in our YouTube chat. He said, saw a projection that Asia Shepard is a first-round WNBA pick, like 23rd pick. If true, would she really come back? No. Did not realize that. Wouldn't think so. And, and good for her. Uh, she's going to have a great professional career um, whatever she, whenever she decides to do that, that is. Okay. Also, I want to point out on Twitter. This is why I have Twitter open during the uh, the podcast that – Three-star tight end Harrison St. Germain will play for Virginia Tech. He currently attends, as I pull up his profile, Westfield High School in Centerville, Virginia. We just just got to commit. So is this a commit or a PWF? Uh, Well, let's see. It says committed with uh, two exclamation points, and he tagged everybody. Is he 2022? He is a, let's see, three-star tight end, six foot four, 235. Let me click on his huddle real quick and see. Sophomore varsity highlights. This was let's see, it looks like a junior tight end. So he'd be a 2022 guy. Yeah. Right? Okay. So he'd yeah. be a scholarship guy. Yeah. So so, yeah. so Evan, who went to Westfield? I sh- is it Sean Glennon? Sean Glennon and, and Eddie and, Royal. And Eddie Royal. Royal. Very good. Finally, hey, look who knows the hokey trivia you today. Were five years that, old when they signed. <laughs> Gosh, don't say that. Gosh, <laughs> that is the first quarterback I remember playing for Tech, Sean Glennon. I, I remember Andy and Herndon used to go to all the uh, recruiting commitments. He sure did. I saw him. I met him at Tie Rods. Yeah, because uh, I went to cover that one, and uh, and I met Andy and Hernan there. Did, didn't day. Andy used to go to him, and the, the players would always commit somewhere else? Oh yeah, for for the longest time. <laughs> and Eddie and, Royal finally broke that streak. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, let's transition and talk about one program that has a chance to win an ACC championship this weekend. Again, Virginia Tech Wrestling opens the ACC Wrestling Championships this weekend for the ACC. It's this weekend hosted by North Carolina State. By the way, the Hokies finished the regular season ranked number two in the country in one poll and number three in the other poll. Man. So... That's pretty, pretty good. good, right? Yeah, we'll Chris, take it. Chris gives that two thumbs up. Now, yeah. now is that a dual meet ranking or a tournament ranking or just a ranking? It's ranking? A good question. Just I bl- a, I th- I'm sure it's it's ranked on results of the season, so dual Man. meet. Yeah, it's no, I, it's it's not necessarily to be used as a projection for ACC tournaments or NCAA tournaments yeah. or things like that. So this weekend, though, the big question for Virginia Tech is, and there are so many wrestlers I think has a chance to win an ACC title this weekend for Tech, but the story going into it is will Makai Lewis wrestle, will John Borst wrestle for Virginia Tech? I think that's what's on the minds of majority of Virginia Tech wrestling fans right now because to win the overall ACC championship, the Hokies are going to need those two to wrestle. Both those guys. Now, um, to my knowledge, Tony Roby has not said anything publicly about um, – details about their injuries or anything like that um uh so i did uh <clears throat> i reached out the wrestling program last night and said what what can we say on the podcast and makai and makai lewis and john borst are uh entered slash scheduled to be part of the acc tournament this weekend and and that's all the information that's there no additional information about you know uh and, and I'm, I'm getting in over my head here um but Makai, for example, might be injured bad enough that he maybe needs to officially be entered in the ACC tournament in order to make the NCAA. Yeah, because he can enter the ACCs 
forfeit and still make the NCAs. Yeah. But if he doesn't enter the ACC tournament, he cannot enter the the NCAA tournament. Right? That's yeah. Um, so you put yourself in a position where if those guys have have entered and can't wrestle, if Makai is just going to weigh in and take a forfeit so he can rest, hopefully wrestle in the NCAA's, you know, then Tech, Tech doesn't have a chance to, to right. win the ACC championship. You need all 10 guys. Sorry to insult you guys, but, you know, if you're missing Makai and or John Borst, Borst is a little different thing because Hunter Keck is pretty good. But uh, if, if you're missing Makai, it's going to be really difficult to win the ACC. You're going to have some other have to have some other guys really step up. Right. Um, so... It's. Uh, I'm sure they're calculating every day what to do, what the best course of action is. I doubt they've even come close to a decision yet. Uh, yeah. We'll see where he's at l- later in the week. Because they don't wrestle until – is the whole thing done on Sunday? I think the whole thing is done on Sunday. Wait, let me check real quick. But I, I am pretty sure it is just a one-day – let's see here. It's nice to see at the top of the page, 9-0, and 5-0. and <laughs> Yes. Uh, they wrestle on – yes, all day February 28th this coming Sunday. Yeah. So it was a one-day event. So they have, you know, six days, five or six days to figure this out. Yeah. And the thing is, if if you wrestle, if he wrestles, and if he's not 100% and he loses, and then, he, you know, he's not healed up in time for the NCAA tournament as a result, you didn't do yourselves any favor at all. all yeah. you, still, you still lost the ACC t- tournament. And now he's even – now you lessen his chance of being healthy for the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, it's a tough decision. Yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's not – yeah, it is. It's extremely difficult. Or I, I think if it, he's already entered into the ACC tournament. So if, he, if they've already entered him into it, it means they know that he does have a chance to at least come back for NCAAs, right? Uh, I I, th- I think that's a good interpretation. Right. So yeah. now if he wasn't able to wrestle for, at all, it's it's just you know, a matter of timing right now. Yeah. So let's look real quick at the rank the weight classes. I think Virginia Tech has a chance to win a ACC championship. And so Sam Latona is the highest ranked excuse me wrestler at one twenty five. Wouldn't that be some awesome drama if if the championships came down to one twenty five again between. Jacob Camacho of North Carolina State and Sam Latona. Obviously, that's probably your projection for the 125 championship. At 133, uh, Mickey Philippi of Penn State is ranked fourth, and then Corbin uh, in, Myers is seventh. Not Penn State. I'm sorry, Pitt. 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 Sorry, I was just looking at Roman Bravo Young above him. So Mickey is uh, ranked fourth in the country for Pitt. Corbin Myers is ranked seventh. They did not wrestle at the end of the regular season. Ah, true. 149, Austin O'Connell of North Carolina is number one in the country. But, you know, Bryce Andonian, you never know. He's ranked eighth in the country. He's explosive. Uh, you never know if he can, you know, he competed with them Did, too. Didn't, didn't they wrestle, though? And I thought it was actually close, actually, in the regular season. It I, was thought, definitely I thought Bryce hung in there, but O'Connor just, man, he's tough. He is tough. He is absolutely tough. No, there's no doubt about that. Um Let's see. At 165, obviously, gosh, if Makai was healthy, you'd love nothing more for him to get to wrestle that Jake Wetzel guy from Pitt who he had an injury forfeit against, and he's the defending champion. And, gosh, Hokie Twitter went at Pittsburgh Twitter when they (laughs) announced that they beat Makai Lewis, and that that was an ordeal. So you know that that's going to be exciting. Right, so so let's hit the pause button there and clarify that one a little bit. The the Pitt wrestling Twitter feed basically celebrated – uh, Wetzel's victory over Makai Lewis. I don't think the the tweet even mentioned that it was an injury default. It was just, so that he did wins. not sit well. He wins what six nothing? 
he, he beats the number one wrestler in the country uh-huh. and didn't say a thing about oh the guy was injured um you know i uh <laughs> i love that kind of stuff i love what makes rivalries rivalries you know? and you know and in reality like everybody else you know pitt's got some intern in charge of that because nobody not that many schools can afford full-time employees in every single position of their athletic department these days. I will counter, though, so, and say that usually the people around wrestling are dialed into wrestling. Yeah, that's, that's probably yeah, true. No, yeah. they, it's, it's a little – you have all kind of hangers on in basketball and football. I, I saw that tweet, and I saw – you don't mess around with Hokie Twitter, A, but you really don't mess with Hokie <laughs> wrestling Twitter. And I said, oh, boy. Um, so, so, so basketball and football have all kinds of hangers on and wannabes. Wrestling really isn't like that. The people who are around it are dialed into it. 184 is going to be a weight class to watch. Hunter Bolin, number one in the country now, and 184 in Hintermat, and Trent Hidley of NC State, number three in the country. And they wrestled that low-scoring. Hunter is undefeated against Hidley, right? I believe so. I think he's 3-0, yes. all of them very low-scoring, 2-1, to 3-1 to one kind of things. And then at heavyweight, if John Bors can wrestle, he's ranked 20th in the country. Quinn Miller of Virginia, they did not wrestle this year. That's when Hunter Katka made his debut because Bors lost to Miller last year. Miller is the highest-ranked ACC wrestler from Intermat. He's ranked 14th in the country. And then Borst is 20th. Um, so, And, of course, Borst did lose to NC State's heavyweight, but he was also wrestling. No doubt he was wrestling injured. He was not 100% after he, yeah. you know. So, anyway, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this weekend for uh, Virginia Tech wrestling. And wouldn't that be something that they can win the ACC championship and the dual meet uh, team title? That would be something. Now, I think some of the early matches are streamed. Uh, do they put the finals on ACC Network? I think that's what they did a couple of years ago. I honestly don't, don't know. Don't right. know. Yeah. That is a great question. Because it's a Sunday. You think there's going to be basketball? I mean, it's an all-day event, so I – it's going to be interesting to see because women's basketball, that's the final day of the regular season, which there's typically a lot of games on the yeah, ACC network on yeah. Sunday. So, right. um, so anyways, all right, let's transition. Uh, we're an hour in, but I do want to make sure we touch up before we get to your questions. Uh, let, Will, should we start softball, baseball, or lacrosse? Where do you want to start here? You pick. Let's let's do lacrosse first because I don't know that we have much to say about it. It, yeah. was, it was disappointing, so let's do lacrosse sure. first. Sure. Well, they opened up their season last week, 13-5 win against Liberty. I mentioned on last week's podcast they had this huge in-state rivalry with James Madison. Uh, in Dukes Lane Stadium. 10th, in Lane Stadium, and it got postponed due to COVID in the Dukes program. So they did not get a chance to play that. The Hokies are ranked. They played 12th-ranked Duke on the road. They lost 12-8 in Durham on Sunday. So they're now uh, one and one on the year. And then they just had a game added against Longwood this Wednesday at three o'clock at Thompson field. And then they play at Virginia this Saturday. And so that's a, that's always a big one against Virginia. And the Cavaliers are another really good lacrosse program. So, and I got, I got the impression I didn't get a chance to watch the, the lacrosse game against Duke, but I got the impression tech started out really hot and then just got run over. Uh, like like a, a long stretch where they struggled to score. And that was on the ACC Network yesterday. Yeah. Yep. Uh, on the ACC Network Extra for the last four days, I think one of the highlights of the weekend for yeah. Virginia Tech Athletics was 14th-ranked Virginia Tech softball establishing themselves as the best team in the ACC this weekend. They went on the road to Clemson on Thursday, played this up-and-coming program. And, again, you know, you knew Clemson was going to play well. They've got some good talent, Valerie Cagle and Millie Thompson. And uh, and they lose game one. I believe it was 7-1. Did Keely Rochard pitch that game? She did. 
She did. And they uh, Virginia Tech lost 8-1 to Clemson, who's receiving votes. So uh, how did they come back the next day in a doubleheader on Friday having to play two games? First off, Ivy Rosenberry throws five shutout innings in game two. They win 9-0, mercy rule Clemson. And then in game two of the doubleheader, they win 4-1 against Clemson. So they hold did, the Tigers to one combined run. Did Rochard start that game? She did. Okay. Went a complete second. game. <clears throat> then the Hokies playing in the ACC pod. They go to Atlanta to play Florida State at Georgia Tech at Georgia Stadium. Tech's field. Right. And, again, Florida State 2018 World <laughs> Series champs. They get a lot of recognition. They're typically a top 10 program. They're ranked 13th. They beat Tech 7-1 to in Game 1. Now, in Game 1, Florida State-Virginia Tech, uh, the Hokies threw Ivy Rosenberry and Mac Osborne, who are two freshmen. Keely Rochard throws Game 2. They mercy rule Florida State 9-1 in five innings. Mercy rule is you're up by 10 runs after four, it's over, and then eight runs or more after the fifth, it's over. And then on the, yesterday, on Sunday, the, the rubber match, 6 nothing. They shut out Florida State. Keely Rochard, another shutout win. And in each of the two wins, did they homer? I know, I know in, the, in, the, in the middle game, Tech homered twice in the same inning. Didn't they do the same thing again in the third game? Home runs yesterday. Let's see. Um, Cameron Fagan, the freshman, had a three-run home run. Grace Chavez had a home run. Grace Chavez hit four home runs this weekend. Nice. I mean, so this is I'm telling this is an off as much as we talk about Keely Rochard and Ivy Rosenberg and the pitching, the offense of the when they're on, they're on. I think the one thing to take from this weekend, the reason why they lost two games, honestly, their defense let them down. And that nine one loss to Clemson in game one. Keely Rochard gave up one, one earned run. run. Right. Mm. Yeah. So, so, so Keely's uh, ERA is still very stout. Right. Um, and I thought, I thought the uh, my other big takeaway from the weekend was the second game against Florida State. Florida State pitched their ace, Kalen. I don't remember her last name. No, uh, Arnold. Kalen Arnold. Yep. And and I had to do my research because Tech got to her. And got to her early and then scored how many runs was it in like the third inning? I think it was eight runs in one inning or something like that. So I, I'm, I'm looking it's like, is, is that Florida State's ace? Because, man, they're shelling her, you know. So I thought that was nice too. I'm actually getting a correction. It's only eight after five innings. My apologies. I was pretty sure it was ten after four, but apparently that is not the case for softball. But anyways, okay. I love that about softball, by the way. When a team's up, just, <laughs> just end, it. end it. Well, and, I mean – Softball, you hardly ever throughout the course of a series pitch more than two pitchers or Correct. three at most, right? Correct. So yeah. if, if you're up by 10 points, just end it and let everybody save their arms, yep. you know? Um, so anyway, so this – so again, Hokies have not beaten Florida State in a series since, I want to say, 2011. They had lost 19 out of 20. And again, And this, had not this, beaten them since 2014. And for the longest time in the ACC, the ACC was the – the the worst conference, I think it's fair to say, amongst Power Fives in college softball. I mean, the SEC, every team makes the NCAA tournament. Right. Um, and like the big, all the big thirteen, 10, the Big, big 10, Ten is, is pretty good. good. The Pac twelve is terrific. I mean, UCLA and, uh, but now the ACC, after Florida State won the World Series, was a big deal for the conference in 2018 that Florida State could win it. And the ACC now has about five or six teams, maybe even seven, that can make the NCAA tournament. So all of a sudden, you've got Virginia Tech, who 
is going to, I think, going to be in the top 10, folks, when the rankings come out this week. Borderline top. I mean, you beat Clemson and Florida State in a series, they're going to move up. But you've got schools like Louisville, you've got Notre Dame, you've got Clemson now, you've got um, Duke is 8-1 and one on the year. They're a relatively new program in their third year. So hmm. the ACC is is on the rise, and it's incredible the turnaround that Pete DeMore's done with this program. I would have thought that the ACC softball would have been no different than ACC baseball. I just – I mean, would, ACC baseball has always been dominant, right? But, but when Clemson didn't have a softball team until last year, Duke didn't have a – Softball. Miami doesn't have softball. Right, right. Miami and Wake Forest are the two schools that do not have softball. So how many softball teams are there? Right, thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. So there's thirteen now, but you know, as of a few years ago, there weren't thirteen. So I guess that that plays a role to a certain extent. Um, Obviously, Clemson will be. Clemson's already, even though they're only in their second year, they already seem like they're pretty good. But they have a chance to be great in softball. I don't know if you watched any of the broadcast. The facilities there, Clemson. I mean, just field and they they snap their fingers and have like some of the best facilities in the ACC. Literally, snap their fingers. So the Hokies' only game this week was against Radford at Radford on Wednesday. That game has been canceled, not because of COVID. They made that clear in the press release. I read Radford's press release, and it said because the field will be unplayable at Radford is what their release said. So Hokies don't play. Uh, no, no, I will say, no, I'll say this. Like, with as much snow and ice and rain as, as we've had recently, like, can a school like Radford, I mean, they might have literally laid off all their – Grounds, grounds, uh, keeping people. Yeah, who knows? And and <laughs> and they don't have full time people doing that. And it's it's hard to. Uh, you see this, and I know I know this from European soccer, but you never see a big team over in Europe, a big soccer team, have a game canceled. But if you're playing, if you're a country like Switzerland or something like that, who can't afford a big time field or a full time groundskeeping crew maybe you you and it get and it gets really really cold over december you could see you they don't play all their matches some of them get canceled and pushed back till spring so this could be like something like we're radford right now is just understaffed when it when it comes to that now that said a lot of their a lot i wish i had the chart in front of me because i've done this in the past a lot of their athletic revenue comes from student fees um they, I, I've been to Radford University basketball games, and they don't turn out big crowds. So no. it's not like it's not like ticket revenue from men's basketball. Yes, I'm I'm sure for them it's a fairly significant um, stream of income, but it's not like Virginia Tech makes seventeen to twenty million a year on football tickets, right. and that that disappeared. Right. Poof. Uh, real quick, uh, Hokey Chip is uh, commenting, and Hokey Chip, Hokey Chip, Chip Grub, <laughs> our softball guru, um, my friend, uh, was credentialed for Tech sideline this week. He went to Clemson. He went to Georgia Tech. I think he's the the, the biggest Hokey softball fan in the world, and he he gives them so much well deserved attention. So Chip, thanks for your stuff. I'm sure we'll have an article up on the recap at some Today, point. Yeah. Uh, but here's what he said: The bounce back of this team is simply amazing. Not only winning, but dominating. Grace Chavez didn't just hit home runs. She hit moonshots. Pretty sure one is still going. I ended up sitting beside a gentleman from Rounding Dirt Softball who owns and operates a softball information site, including Twitter and Facebook. Late in Game 3, assuming against Florida State, he leaned over and said, this was really impressive. After Game 1, I thought I was going to see a three-game Florida State sweep. Instead, VT bounced back emphatically. Very, very impressed. 
So Hokies are finally getting the well-deserved attention. I think for the longest time, the national landscape, right, because the ACC has been kind of behind as a softball. Everyone only looks at Florida State. Now Virginia Tech has said, hey, we just went out and beat the, the 2018 champs. So let's and- talk about Chip. Chip was in Atlanta yesterday mm-hmm. for the game and submitted his write-up at 2.30 a.m. So Chip is getting a little taste of what it's like to be a uh, to be a sports writer. Yeah. So he's in Atlanta, watches the third game, drives home, writes it up, and sends it in at well, 2.30 a.m. You know what most sports writers do? They write their article during the course of their game, or within an hour after the game, they've already submitted it. But but being credential media is very new to Chip. Exactly. And exactly. I'm not that, sure that, that, he does that. He doesn't have the training but wait, that is that not sure. a fun drive from Atlanta to Blacksburg. The traffic in Atlanta, Georgia, I mean – that is a – George Tech is I've right done that twice. So I've been with softball and baseball in Atlanta. And the amount of times we have sat on a bus for about an hour outside of Atlanta just waiting to just move. Anyways, so great, so great the work. streaming production of Florida State and Virginia Tech was just horrible because it it's at Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech's not playing, so they're not, they're not really right. going to allocate the resources Correct. to it. So it reminded me of when we used to stream our uh, Tech Sideline podcast out over Facebook Live using your iPhone. They they literally look like they'd set an iPhone up behind home plate up in the air behind the press box and just let it run. That's such a bummer because people around the country would have watched that game. You know, I mean, that would have been a – believe there are softball junkies out there that would have been all about that game. There, there were uh, no announcers, nothing. almost no stats. They did eventually do balls and strikes. Okay. But you're just like, I have no Should idea Should have put Chip on the call on. yesterday. Just said, hey, man, here's the headset. <laughs> Chip, Andy, go Andy ahead. What, what people don't realize is, is there's – the COVID rules are different at, at each state or different school or whatever. Like I know when when Tech went and played in Duke in football this year, that I guess since Duke's a private school and they set their own rules, I, I really don't know. But it was really difficult for like Virginia Tech's radio crew to operate like they normally operate. Right. Um, like in in so much as the rules even extend so far as like how many trips like you could take to carry in and out equipment or, or just oh, I, I don't gosh. know if that was a specific one but it's stuff like something that. like that right yeah. so some of these rules are like if you're if you watch one broadcast and you're like oh this isn't good or uh, you're gonna see things through the course of the year or you have already seen things that and you're like why is it that way and in a lot of cases it's because that's that way because of rules preventing preventing the uh, right. normal the normal way of doing things mm. it's, so it's uh I don't know. It's frustrating. All right. So let's uh, – real quick, Chip does that. It's an open week this week for softball, so there's a chance they might add some games this week. Um, so keep an eye on that. And so anyways uh, – why, why doesn't Radford just drive over to Blacksburg? They're supposed to play at Tech later in the year. I don't know if that's the reason why. I also, They also did play on Sunday. You think about it. Hokies played one game Thursday in Clemson. That means they probably left Wednesday. They played two on Friday. Then they went from Clemson to Atlanta – Played two games on Saturday and then one on Sunday. I wonder too if both co- and, and I, Radford just had a yeah. busy week, and I wonder yeah. if both coaches just said, you know what, with the field, that's a lot of time. We, on we could bus. use the week off before yeah, the true. weekend. That's true. So um, I wonder if that's the uh, the the part of the reasoning as well. So, all right, let's try to transition. We've got one more sport to talk about, and they deserve some attention because you know you think about where everybody was in March of 2020, especially for athletes, right? Fall sports. They're getting ready for the upcoming season and training in the offseason. Winter sports, we're getting ready to have their NCAA tournaments. 
Spring sports were just getting started. And if there's one team last year that I would have loved to have seen how things ended, it's Virginia Tech baseball. Because they had a weekend series against a really good Georgia Tech team, had leads late in two games, lost on walk-offs, heartbreaking losses. And then they won on Sunday, and Seymour set the ACC record for Virginia Tech in strikeouts in a game. And they had so much going for them, Chris. So after 46 weeks, Hokie Baseball finally got to open their season in a doubleheader on Sunday at English Field. It was supposed to be a three-game set, but the weather had other plans. And I'm telling you, this is a Kent State team that is, I mean, really good. I mean, has made the College World Series in the last decade, many NCAA tournament appearances. They win 3-1 in game one off of just three hits. Chris Gerard was terrific. And then the bats were on fire in game two, and they win 9-2. I thought it was a very impressive weekend for uh, Tech baseball. I'm very happy about the pitching. And, you know, I'm I'm pretty confident in Tech, in tech starting pitching. Uh, we'll see how the, the third the third the third starting role goes right. uh the guys they started against kent state i'm confident in which is why i'm really disappointed that that last season you know got canceled the way it did because i think they had three legitimate acc starters on that team including a guy who was a second round pick you know and, a millionaire uh, now is coach chef right <laughs> and then uh you know they had a fourth round pick at uh at catch yeah. so i think they were really well positioned to have a good year um i still think they are this year uh I, you know, you, you you just wish you had that star quality. Like if you're in, a, in an elimination game in the ACC tournament, it, it would be nice to turn, be able to turn to a second-round pick, right? Um, or the NCAA tournament or something like that. Uh, so I don't know. I, I st- but it, it did, did give me more confidence that, that that Gerard and Simonetti were able to go out there and, and pitch very, very well. Yep. Uh, low uh, – Low walk to strikeout ratio, of, of course. Um, that that that's key. So, what we don't know yet is bullpen depth, yeah. and that that's always been an issue for Virginia Tech throughout the years is is pitching depth. You know, they might have one or two good players, but they never have depth across the board. And if they can they can develop more depth this year, then they should be fine. Well, there are a couple of relievers again moving on from Gerard who threw six innings by the way it was funny Simon Ellie and Gerard both threw 85 pitches exactly yesterday wow, really? and you could tell I think they both you know they've got a huge series at Miami next week who are the preseason favorites in the coastal so I, they got you know, I, yeah I'm sure they were on a pitch count to a certain extent or and so if you're if you're at 85 after six innings yep. and you want you don't want to throw that opening weekend your starter a whole bunch pitches like that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But Matthew Siverling threw two innings of scoreless baseball in relief of game one. He was awesome. I think he's going to – I mean, he's a freshman, I believe. He's a great piece. You bring back Ryan Akuda out of the bullpen. Seymour struggled a little bit yesterday, but he's a senior, and he's going to likely be that Sunday option. They brought him out of the pen just to mm-hmm. give him some innings. Sure. Um, and then uh, this guy by the name of Shane Connolly transferred so – Let me. this was the moment of the game yesterday in game two for anybody to follow along. Hokies got out to an early 5-0 lead. True freshman Tanner Schobel had a two-run single. Gavin Cross, 2020 freshman All-American, three-run home run. Two-run home run. And they're up 5-0. Kent State loads the bases. Uh, it scores 5-2 at this point. And Hokies bring their third pitcher in to face against three pitchers against three batters, right? So they had a, a Sam Rochard in for the leadoff hitter, pulled him after one batter. Then they brought in another pitcher, pulled him after one batter. So they bring in 
Connolly to make his Virginia Tech debut. He's a transfer from the Citadel. Bases are loaded, two down, excuse me, one out, three four-hitters at the plate. Comes in, strikes out the three-hitter, strikes out the four-hitter, gets Tech out of the jam, ends up finishing the game. So nice. keep an eye out for this guy, yeah. Connolly, to be a big arm out of the bullpen for Virginia Tech. It was the moment of the game because it just felt like Kent had all this momentum. Yeah, so, Ryan Fecktu, the pitching coach, who I think is elite. He's elite. Yeah, and – he said, you know, he doesn't like to use the term closer. Uh, he likes to bring in his best his best relief pitchers for the most high leverage situations. And so that's something to keep an eye on. Sure. If Connolly showed that that he can shut down uh, the other team when they've got the bases loaded like that. The two really good hitters right, at the right, plate too. Right. So you you're not you're you're not sitting there saying, "Oh, we're going to bring our closer in in the ninth inning." Right? Maybe you're bringing him in the sixth inning if it's the high leverage. If it's a high leverage situation, you know uh, there, there's art. You know the arguments about this for professional baseball, right? Right. And I think I, I don't think it's the managers themselves. I think it's the it's the closers themselves and the majors that are really blocking this from happening more. Because if you come in in the sixth inning and you get the shutdown inning like that when they've got the bases loaded, doesn't count as a save, right? Right. And it's all about the money you can make off your contract. Yeah, you know, who knows like who knows if these guys have bonuses for a certain amount of mm. saves and things like that. I, I really have no well, idea. Well it's it's the stats you compile to, sure. you know, get your next contract. Yeah. Well, yeah. Think about it, there's always incentives. Think about the final game in week 17 of the NFL when you hear like, oh, this guy needs six more catches to get a $500,000 signing bonus and the quarterback's just, you know, throwing to that receiver trying to make sure they get right. the – they get the the incentive. So, um, so up next for baseball. So they play Radford on Tuesday at home, two o'clock first pitch, and then they play at Miami this weekend. And and again, Miami the preseason favorites in the Coastal. So that'll be a really big test. Where was Tech picked in the Coastal? Fifth. Fifth. No, excuse me, sixth. But all the teams in front of them are NCAA tournament teams. And again, I think that if Tech finished the way, if Tech could have played the season they did last year, they would have finished higher. Then I think teams would have thought in the coastal. Oh, so. you, the thing is, if you make the ACC tournament, you're going to make the NCAA tournament. Correct, pretty much. Yep. So, so. Um, anyway, so good good start for Virginia Tech baseball. And by the way, the one before we get to questions, one last thing, uh, I had the chance to talk with Coach Chef earlier in the week, and you were talking about how great our pitching coach Ryan Fecto is. I want yeah. to point this out. So Ian Seymour was the I believe the 51st overall selection in this year's MLB draft. Right, he signed for over a million dollars. It's all public information, and he was discussing, and I didn't think about this. So when you're in high school, you can enter the MLB draft, right? You can be drafted mm-hmm. out of high school. Yeah. And a lot of these elite athletes that go play college baseball are drafted out of high school, but it's typically later rounds, like like the 30th, 32nd. But it's still a big honor to have that after high school. Ian Seymour and Carson Taylor both were not drafted out of high school. Wow. And so he really credited Fecto and the job he did developing Seymour into a second-round pick as somebody who really was not on a lot of radars coming out of high school. Take that on the recruiting trail. Yeah, and then Carson Taylor, who was a fourth-round pick. By, he was hitting like by the 390 right. I'm sorry, by the Dodgers. His slash so, line was insane, yeah. So anyway, I just I thought that was really an interesting point on his part, just the development of the coaching staff of making those guys into you know, top picks in the draft. So Yeah, I think uh, Tex baseball coaching situation has just improved exponentially. Uh, I think Chef's a really good coach, but as good a coach he is, I, I mean, I think Fecto, like at some point, like we're not going to be able to keep that dude. He's, he's he's a really, really good coach, and 
Yep. Somebody with a lot of money is going to help. And Coach Jeff really lets him run the pitching staff. He's yeah, the yeah, one who goes makes change. Whole it's whole, he's not just whole, pitching whole coach. He's basically pitching coordinator. Yeah, I was going to say director of pitching. Yeah. Director of pitching, yeah. So. Well, all right, so a little bit of quasi-breaking news. This was tweeted out by David Cunningham, who listens to the ACC, the coaches' ACC basketball conference call each week. And uh, 22 minutes ago, David tweeted that Hokies head coach Mike Young says the situation – around Tyrese Radford, quote, is still unfolding, unquote. So Mike Young did not commit to whether or not Radford will play Tuesday night. Uh, next topic, Mike Young says Hokies guard Jalen Cohn is in a splint. Quote, it's more for support than anything, unquote. Young says it's possible Cohn plays on Tuesday versus Georgia Tech. Says he's waiting to hear from the medical staff on his availability. So... Little basketball news later. Anything on Cordell Pemsel? Well, those are the only David Cunningham uh, <laughs> tweets that are showing up in my Perfect. timeline. Thank you, David Cunningham. Uh, okay, so there's some big news. We talked about that earlier in the show. So we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens on Tuesday, and we'll be able to break it down all uh, all next week on the Tech Sideline Podcast. All right, let's get to some questions here. You know, it's funny before the show, we'll we'll look at me as like, you know, we. We can go if it needs to be a little bit shorter, and I'm thinking, yeah, maybe this will be a little bit shorter podcast. But somehow we always find a way to to go hour fifteen. That's part of it on me. Yep. But just great conversation. So let's get to some questions here. Um, let's see. Let's start with uh, well, again, a lot of people want to let you guys know that they actually listen on Stitcher. So okay, that's right. dominant. so right, Stitcher. We, we have a lot Keep of people Stitcher. saying um, <laughs> Stitcher uh, is not on the chopping block. Let's see. We mentioned Asia Shepherd, Jason Howell. At this point, do we think fans will be allowed at the spring game? Maybe better question: no. Will there even be no. a spring game? Also, uh, TSL message boards classic. How much are tickets to the spring game? Oh well, okay. If <laughs> if fans aren't allowed in the spring game, then there's no point in having a spring game. All right, the spring game doesn't really do anything for the team. If anything, the coaches don't really like it from a competitive standpoint. They'd rather practice. They'd rather just practice and and because it counts as a practice. It you, counts you, as a practice, but they aren't really practicing, right? right? Yeah, right. they're just kind of out there. And uh, so, from that standpoint, it, it helps. But but at the same time, from a recruiting standpoint, it's certainly it's probably it's Tech's biggest recruiting event of the year. So no, they're not. I don't know this for a fact, but my guess is there there won't be any fans at, at a spring game. Or, or so, so uh, and and guess what? There's not going to be any recruits there anyway because on campus recruiting is barred is by the NSA through through the end of May at least, right? So so this will be two years in a row where Virginia Tech their best recruiting tool is the Malcolm, spring game. Malcolm, years, can we put the camera on me while Chris is talking? <laughs> two two year two years in a row where Virginia Tech has lost their biggest recruiting tool. Mm-hmm. And now, again, the good news, is, or not the good news, nobody else is going to have that recruiting tool, right? But, but, but that's our one strength in recruiting is our spring game crowd. So you take away our strength. All right, UNC, nobody goes to a UNC football spring game. Sure. No, because nobody yeah. cares about. So if UNC loses their spring game, it doesn't matter. That's not their strength in recruiting. It is our strength. Yeah. Like you just you you just cut off Samson's hair, man. <laughs> it's it's what you've done. It's it's just so. So I, no, I, I don't think there's going to be a crowd at a spring game, and this is just a guess on my part. I hope to be wrong, and in which case, if there's no crowd, there's no point in actually having a spring game. So I, I think that I I saw wandering around the internet yesterday that Governor Northam is supposed to 
uh, release new guidelines. I think this week on on outdoor gatherings, quote unquote. Right. right. Okay. So they, they might be allowed. You, there might be some. When I say no fans at the spring game, I mean like not normal capacity. Not normal. Or makes a not a normal for... Virginia Tech spring. Exactly. Exactly. So like, it won't be a big enough a crowd by our standards to have it be a strength uh, on the recruiting trail or anything like that. So I don't know. We'll see. I just, I'm not expecting normalcy. I mean, I mean, I'm on record as having written several times. Like we don't know that there's going to be spring practice. I assume that there is, I assume that there is, but we don't know it for a 100% undeniable fact. And even then, like you still got to do COVID testing and stuff like that. Like, what if this summer you find out, ah, well, Braxton Burmeister couldn't make any progress in the tech in the tech offense this spring because he tested positive for COVID. Right. Right. So it's all it's you're still going to be dealing with things like that. All right. So actually, all the comments in the YouTube, we had one question. Everything else was just comments. So <laughs> I'll go two things on Twitter. We'll have some fun. Jersey Hokey, who on the TSL staff would win a home run derby? Certainly not me. I was a terrible hitter. I'm going with either Chris or I'm going with Malcolm. You know oh, why? My, my hand-eye cord. Even, even like, his well, little soft toss? Oh, uh, no. When, when you reach a certain age, like, uh, I, I used to, I could still have, you know, with my context, and I have 20-20 vision when I focus in on, on one thing. I don't have the, it used to be, though, if I'm looking straight ahead, I could still see Will very clearly right here. But I can't do it now. You're a blur to me. Wow. And so I, it uh, can't be me. It uh, and plus, you know, when things are moving fast, it, it's 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 tough for me to focus my vision from here to here very quickly. Man, so no, there's no chance. Like if I if I got a hold of one, I, I could. I don't know if we do want this televised. So run derby. Yeah. I'm t- I don't think I could hit one out. I think text. No, if you like part. seeing a slap hitter, like like I had two home runs in in my life, and they were where I slapped it out in between in softball, not baseball where I slapped it down between the right fielder and the right center fielder on a dewy morning and the ball hit the grass and skipped between them. Mm. And I was fast enough to get around the bases before they could track it down and get in it. That's my version of a home run. So, okay. no. All right. And last one for you. We'll end with this. I uh, One of my good friends is an avid listener of the Tech Sideline podcast. He is the men's and women's tennis SID as well as men's soccer. His name's Will Copeland. He's, he listens like every podcast last year and a half. And he's been asking me, can we get, just get a shout out of tennis on there? And I'm like, you know what? Today is that day. So uh, Hugo Maia is the national player of the week really? in men's tennis. And uh, they're off to a great start. They're four and two. They beat Boston College on Sunday, seven nothing in Chestnut Hill. And they beat Davidson seven nothing last week. They, they're on a three game winning streak. They beat Middle Tennessee State. 4-1. They almost beat North Carolina. They're second in the country. They lost 4-3. Oh, bummer. So anyways. Uh, is Tech ranked? Because that's a good performance against the number two team in the it, country. I don't think they are ranked. I should know this, but I just wanted to um, to shout out uh, men's tennis for off to a good start, and I know the women's are playing as well. So, so we're not doing an Olympic sports like I thought we would do, but I don't mean Virginia Tech. I mean like the NCAA, we as a society. Like I thought like, now tell me if I'm wrong and this did happen, but I assume to like get enough games in that like you'd have multiple teams meeting in one spot and all playing each other over like two or three days or something like that. So, so tennis went to play Boston College. Mm-hmm. Boston College was the only team they played. Correct. Right there, right? the, so, yes. Okay. So why didn't like Providence and Rhode Island join? Join. And so well, it's a long and, and it's an next. You know you you got to play a little more. 
while you're there, but but you get more games in on the same trip. Save money. Save yeah. Um, I don't yeah. I don't know if that's feasible or not, but that, that's how I thought. It's a good uh, uh, tennis that's, matches do take a little because you got to win. It's the first of yeah, five wins, yeah. so you got singles and doubles. Wow. And a lot of I believe. Again, I'm a high school tennis player, but I believe that the singles players also team up and play doubles. So you're right, playing a yeah, lot of tennis yeah. in a day. I don't, I, don't, I don't mean to use just tennis as an example, but I thought that would be Or even happen. a weekend. You go up there, you play one team Correct. on Sunday, one Correct. on a Saturday. Right, right. Yep. Um, so that's how I thought it would be, um, but I haven't seen too much Women's of tennis, two and four on the year. They're 0-1 in conference play with uh, – and I'll shout out. This was a great tweet from women's tennis. They played Xavier on a, on Valentine's Day. They won 5-2, and the tweet was, it's a bad day to be exes. Oh, man. Uh, I like so, that. anyways, clever tweet. Clever. So anyways, there's your men's and women's uh, tennis update that they're playing. And, again, there's over – I mean, gosh, with, with track, I mean, there's like 12 sports playing. You throw golf in there. You throw the men's soccer, women's soccer, volleyball about to start. I mean, it's just uh, – we're about to be talking about fall sports in March playing games. So, that's the uh, – the beauty of us, uh, yeah. So anyways. High school football F- coming FCS, up. FCS yeah. football kicked off this past it weekend. It did. Uh, I think. Uh, <laughs> did you? I did think you? Virginia high Virginia high school football kicks off this coming weekend. Did Did you see the uh, the the tweet with the referee open mic during the JMU game? I no. believe it was profanity laced. Oh God, uh, that was that was bad. And I, and I responded, "I'm just waiting for a hot mic to get the Tech Sideline podcast in trouble one day." Oh God, oh, but I'm telling you, man. Deion Sanders won his first game. It's some intern running that rather than a full time employee, because no button those like JMU. I don't know the the, re, the refs running around with the mic on his. It, it was an audio. Uh, of, it looked like they were running in for halftime. Right. Yeah. And and okay. and the referee still had his mic on, so mm. I think it went out over yeah. the PA. Yes, that was the not top ten of the weekend. Was the, <laughs> I saw that, and my jaw dropped when I saw you, that. You, are you a little surprised that doesn't happen more often? Then yes, yes. I mean, he 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 yelled something like, "I can't hear an effing thing on this effing thing," you know, and it went out over the PA oh, in the stadium. Man. Everyone's like, "Oh, like you hear the oohs and ahs." <laughs> Just like did didn't the Virginia Tech female fan get caught cussing at the refs at one of the? Basketball- oh my god! It was a Clemson football game, wasn't it? Right before uh, halftime. Right. I was loud right. and clear. Herb Street and Fowler, like, whoa. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. So, anyways. All right, we're an hour and a half in. That's going to wrap things up. Chris Coleman, uh, men's basketball is back this week. Uh, a lot going on. What's going on at TechSideline.com this week? Uh, I've got, I'm going to put a Jake, or not Jake, Corey article up recapping baseball. That's coming up today. We've got a chip, chip article recapping article. softball. Uh, Two great reads, by the way. A lot of W's to go around. Yeah. We have a commitment today. Yeah, we have a commitment apparently that I've got to go research. Um, so that's today. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, that, so that's that, that, today. Yeah, that's four pieces of content today because we'll also post the podcast. So right. we'll we'll be. Busy. I, I'm I'm working on a uh, uh, I'm accumulating the data for for basketball, and I don't know when I actually want to write this. Maybe after the season, since we generally we do so much content during the season, and this year I'm afraid that like. As soon as the season's over, I'm going to be looking around and be like, what do I write about? Yeah. yeah. Right. So I want to save some of this stuff, but I'm working on an article that's comparing the basketball conferences and, and their rankings and the Ken Pomeroy ratings over time, like over a 10 year stretch or so. And generally, what we're seeing is the Big Ten is their huge, massive television conference uh, contract. contract has kicked in. They have become far and away the best basketball conference and 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 for a while there we were seeing 
the Big 12 and the ACC on top of the Pomeroy ratings. And those two conferences, as their TV contracts have fallen behind, we've seen, seen them take a nosedive. Well, are you saying that the Big Ten's best basketball conference? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Over yeah. the ACC? Oh, it's, oh, ACC's like fifth or sixth this year. Yeah, so this, mor- this morning during the ACC teleconference, Georgia Tech's Josh Passner went on for a little bit about how the ACC is the best basketball conference in the country. And no, it's I, not. I read, I read that no, tweet, and I'm like, that, no, it's not. It's not even close. And it hasn't been for yeah. years. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, th- I think – I think joining the ACC didn't didn't do anything for Syracuse basketball, and it, and it hurt Boston College basketball. Boston College used to have a good program, yeah. Um, but I think if Boston College, they, they, Boston College is one of those schools that tries to support like thirty five sports. I, I'm not sure you're exaggerating. It may actually no, be. it's it's well over thirty. I, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, it might even be like thirty seven or something like yeah. that. And I, so I understand that they wanted to make more money and and everything like that but i just don't think i don't know i just think players up there they don't care anything about playing in the acc well pittsburgh used to be a great program in Gosh, basketball pittsburgh was terrific yeah the yeah. days of jamie dixon before he went to yeah. tcu yeah yeah the biggies tournament gosh that was a fun tournament to watch back yeah. in the day so. the, yeah there's only so many great teams that can be in one league but now that we're seeing duke drop off uh, North Carolina. Carolina's not as good as they used to be. Notre Dame's not as good as they used to. There's another one like mm-hmm. NC State's still not uh, like I, I don't. I don't think joining the ACC long term has done Duke any. Excuse me, Notre Dame any favor in yeah. basketball. Yep. And meanwhile, the Big Ten, they just keep making more and more and more money. And the SEC is starting to buy some really good coaches. They are, and the Big Ten's coaches aren't 80 years old like half the ACCs. It seems. Good point. So, yeah, think about uh, yeah. Jawan Howard at Michigan, right? Young, Fab Five, recruiting, and yeah, man, it's a good, that's a good he, point. Is he, is he their head coach uh, now? Yeah, he was the assistant coach with the Miami Heat, and they, after John Beeline left to take the Cleveland Cavaliers job, he's in his second year, and Michigan's ranked second in the country right wow, now. Wow, shows you how much um, attention um, I pay um, to I'm Big sure Ten the basketball. Fab Five players can tell you something about recruiting. Yeah, yeah, a little something. A little something, something. <laughs> oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. All right, well, wow, what a, what a great show today. So, so that's not coming up this week, but that's coming up at some point. I don't know huh? whether it's going to be after the season or before. I've still got to accumulate all the data. But. So the other thing I have to do is I have to do an update on uh, the inde- the scholarship that we're endowing in the School of Communications. We're halfway through that. Nice. It's a $100,000 commitment over, over five years, and we are – uh, 30 months into that 60-month payment. So we've paid 50000 into the endowed scholarship. So we got that going on. That's and exciting. I also, I, I need to update TSLers on, on the new office setup because we did a video. Malcolm and I did a video of what this place used to look like when our office was still in here along with the set. Well, we've opened up next door and opened up a new office, and and we've got it up and running. We, we've been in there for a few weeks, and I haven't done a done an update on that. Well, uh, that's what's coming up on TSL this week at Tech Sideline on Twitter at Will Stewart TSL at Chris Coleman TSL. Be sure to follow along, and uh, yeah, that'll that'll wrap things up. Episode one hundred sixty eight. Next week's show, who knows what it'll bring? I'm sure we'll be talking about men's basketball in some capacity. Back in action. Women's basketball will have finished their regular season by the time we do a show next week. Wrestling. We'll have competed, of course. Yeah, hopefully we're talking about an ACC championship on Monday. Uh, that would be nice. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep everybody up to date with what's going on Virginia Tech Athletics. Any closing thoughts, gentlemen? Nope, I just gave him a closing thoughts. No. Okay. I've got to go start writing. He needs to go start writing. Yeah. 
That'll do it for us here. Episode 168 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by Campus Emporium, Anytime Fitness, the Southeast Regional Training Center. For Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, I'm Evan Hughes saying so long. Thanks so much for watching. Have a great week, Hokies. Thank <laughs> you.